Revelation chapter 3 today, right on the top of your notes, dead Christians with a resurrected Christ. I appreciate you coming today. Dead Christians with a resurrected Christ. There are times when we get together and we rejoice and we get excited about God. Those who are listening to this tape, we just had a wonderful time of worship, and we glorified God. And there's a time for that, that we need to come as Christians and say, thank you, Jesus. There has to be a time when we come together and we get excited and we say, God, I'm so happy. But there also has to be a time when we hear messages that may not always come easy to us. Messages that may not always make us feel better about ourselves. Because right now what we have going on is a type of Christianity that is about making you feel better. And I'm sorry, but Christianity is not about that. And there's things going on today within Christianity that God is absolutely 100% angry with. He's not okay with it. And there may be some things that I say to you today that make you angry. You may say to yourself, who is this guy to talk to me? The way my pastor's talking right now. The way, way I'm talking. You might say, who is this guy? Why, why would he just say that for those of you who are visitors? Or for those who have been around and maybe you came back today because it's Easter, you know. You might say to yourself, man, why, why is he telling me that? That's bothering me. And I want you to hear, hear my heart today. If I could preach this on my knees as I've done other messages, I would preach it on my knees and turn my back and not even look you in the eye, and I would just preach this message on my knees. Some of you have seen me do that. I've just been on my knees and just, just preached a whole message facing the wall. But the Lord actually told me, because I wanted to just kind of get on my knees and just stay there and just tell you what I felt the Lord shared with me, but the Lord told me I had to look you in the eyes today. And that I had to tell you this message because this message is what God is feeling right now. It's what God is going through. Now, you might think that's a lofty statement. Joe, you're going to speak on behalf of God? Yes, that's what I'm going to do. And listen to me, I take that very seriously. You see, there are some pastors that want to come up to a, a stage like this, and they want to preach what they you know, came up with in their studies during the week, and they want to impress you with a joke and make you laugh, and they want you to feel better about yourself. And as long as you had a good time and come back and keep giving them money, they're going to keep preaching those messages. And see, I fear for those people. See, I fear for somebody that hasn't really prayed and got a word from God and said it was the word from God. I fear for anybody that stands behind a pulpit like this and says, I've heard a word from God, and really all they're trying to do is manipulate people. I want you to listen to this scripture as we read it today, and I don't want you to think that I'm talking about somebody else. I want you to know that I'm talking about you. I want you to understand that I want even our elders and deacons to know that this message is for you. It's not for anybody else. And where it fits, where it applies, where it touches you is what God will do. It's not what I do. You know, it's not up to me to get inside your heart and your head today and apply this message. It's up to the Holy Spirit that when I preach that the Holy Spirit comes and He speaks it to you and that everybody here will know that they've heard the message and what they've done with that message is now between them and God. 
Here's what Revelation chapter 3 says, the last book of the Bible. It's a revelation to John, the last living apostle, about the end times. Here is John receiving revelation about the churches of his day. And these churches are also symbolic of churches of all time periods. And look what Jesus says to the angel of the church in Sardis write. So there is a church in the town of Sardis, and this is what Jesus says. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds... You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. I want everybody to look up at me as I tell you today this message. Dead Christians with a resurrected Christ. There are people even here right now, you would say, I am a Christian. By the name of a religion I ascribe to Jesus, I am a Christian. I believe. And you think that makes you complete. But it doesn't. Jesus says, you're dead. And yet you have a resurrected Savior. Why would you be dead and have a resurrected Savior? Our Savior came down, was crucified, buried, and rose from the dead. That's what this day is about. And there's not one of you that doesn't know that message. And yet there's many of you who are still dead. There's many of you that are still dead. And yet you know that message. You know that message by heart. And there are churches that are dead. Because there are groups of leaders, unlike the leaders that were standing here, that are choosing to preach another gospel, teach another way, and they themselves are dead. Brother, go ahead and put up that slide that I, I told you about. There is a trend now in America that on Easter, that we need to do Easter egg hunts. This is an advertisement for a church. And I want you to understand, I am not here to make myself better than anybody. I am a sinner saved by grace. Does everybody understand that? I am a sinner saved by grace. I am a wretched sinner saved by grace. This church started in my wife and I's house. We claim no authority or reputation on uh, what it takes to build the biggest church in the world, any of that. I am just doing what Christ told me to do. That is it. And I am not here to judge what other men say that they do for Christ. If someone says, I'm going to pray for Christ, or I'm going to start a church for Christ, or somebody over here says, we're going to do this for Christ, I'm not here to judge that. What I am here to judge is foolishness that has nothing to do with Christ, but people pawn it off as the gospel. I am to judge the silliness and the stupidity that is found in Christianity today. Because Jesus said that there are people walking around that think they're okay, but they're dead. And here this church, on its Easter weekend, you came to this church at 10 a.m. It's been past 10.30. Could you imagine coming to a church where the focus of the event was searching for eggs? 
You might say, Pastor, well, that's family fun. Well, listen to me. The time you come to church is not the priority of family fun. The priority is to glorify our Savior. I heard a pastor say, you know what's lacking today in the church? You know why people are not coming to the church? It's because the church is not creative. We're not creative enough. We're not razzling and dazzling the people enough. We need to be more creative. And I want to tell you something. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We have more Christian TV than ever before. We have Christian movies. We have Christian music. You come to a church like this, you see a projector, you got a band, a skilled, a live band. I mean, we are the most creative generation. There's more advertising for Christianity. There's more billboards than ever before. There's more media. There's more flyers. We're not lacking creativity. We're lacking life. We're lacking the life of Jesus Christ. That's what we're lacking. It's like going up to a funeral, seeing a dead man in a casket, saying, oh, I know what he's lacking. He's lacking an Armani suit. The problem with the man in the casket is not that he's lacking an Armani suit. The problem with the man in the casket is that he lacks life. He lacks life. He has no life. The casket is there because the man is dead. The church today doesn't need new choirs. It doesn't need more skilled speakers. It doesn't need better bands. It doesn't need any of that. It needs Christians who are alive. Christians who are born again know the Lord Jesus Christ and keep His commands. There are people today that say, I'm alive, yet they're dead. I want you to look at Proverbs 27.20 with me. The Bible says that death and destruction, death and destruction are never, are never satisfied. He said, there are some of you that are dead. Do you know that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy? And he will never, never be satisfied. Never. It's never going to just be okay to be a Christian. You will fight every day of your life to be a Christian. The devil will never let a church that loves God go on without it having a fight. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 20 says that death and destruction are never satisfied. Let me ask you a question. Are you prepared to face God in your spiritual state right now? Are you prepared to face Him? Are you prepared to face the holy God of creation? Now let me tell you something right here. There are some of you here that you think you can outsmart the judgment of God. You think to yourself, I'm not that bad. I'm not dead. Why is this pastor telling me this? That doesn't apply to me. I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't stolen. I'm not as bad as these people that I know of over here. And you think, you think to yourself that this message is not for you. But listen to me. If we were to go to hell right now and pull people out of there and place them right here, they would say to you, I was just like you. I was as smart as you. I thought to myself, this would not happen to me. 
If you could talk to somebody in hell right now, they would say to you, I thought I was good enough to get to heaven. I took care of my family. I paid my taxes. I had an education. They would tell you that it all seemed good to them in their own eyes. They will tell you, I sat in church just like you, and I thought I was okay until I reached judgment seat, until I died and I faced him. And then they'll say to you, I realize what Romans 3.23 said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen to me. When you are born, when I am born, we are falling away from God. We're not kind of good people that just need a little repair, a little renovation, a little fix me up and we'll get better. No, the Bible says we're all sinners and we're falling from God. And the further we go in life, the further we go from God. And you can no more save yourself by your good works, your good deeds, than a falling man out of an airplane can save himself latching onto the air. As that man falls from that plane and he grabs onto the air, it is nothing to the force and the weight of his fall. And listen to me, your sin is bringing you down and there's nothing you can do to save yourself. You cannot latch on to anything. Your job is meaningless to your salvation. Your family is meaningless to your salvation. All of it is like air slipping through your fingers as your soul is headed to destruction. That is how you're born, my friend. Born, fallen from God's grace. That's how I was born. That's how everybody was born dead. And until Christ comes into our hearts, we are falling. And the Bible says every sin you've committed, every single one of them, is a weight upon your soul, pushing you down faster, pushing you down harder, without any regard to your safety, without any regard to your screams, pushing you down. That's your sin. And the Bible says on judgment day, you will cry out, have mercy, save me. And the Bible says in Proverbs, he will turn his back on you and say, you just, you destroyed my law. You did not hear my word. I will not hear you now. Turn to your Bibles to Proverbs chapter one. We think that on the day of judgment that Jesus is going to shed tears for us. There are people that think on that day of judgment and when they realize the state of their soul, when they realize what they did against the Holy God, they think that Jesus will give them a second chance. Some of you right now who are dead, who are falling, you think you will receive your second chance when you are up there. When you realize how far you have fallen from God, you think up there you'll receive a second chance and you won't. Listen to what Proverbs says in chapter 1, verse 23. This is what it says. It says, if you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I, in turn, will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. That's God talking, friends. 
We think on judgment day that God will say to us, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry that you're falling. I want to help you from falling to the pits of hell. I want to help you. No, God's not going to say that on judgment day. The Bible says he will laugh at you. He will laugh at you. Those of you who are here today, listen to me. The wrath of God is undescribable. It is not something to play with. The wrath of God is beyond the description of any man, any movie, any play. And the fury of a holy God cannot be imagined. He will laugh at those being damned to hell. He will scorn them when their calamity comes. You say, how could a loving God do that? A loving God has to be righteous with sin, and sin cannot be in His presence. You say, Pastor, but we've all sinned. Of course we've sinned. That's why He sent Jesus. Do you understand the point? You shouldn't be dead. That's the point. You should not be living the way they were in Revelation chapter 3. But some of you are waiting for another thing to change your life. I talk to people all the time, and they know about the cross. They know about Jesus. But before they serve God, they want to get a new job. Before they serve God, they want God to bless their family. Before they serve God, they want their marriage and family to work out. And they they look at the cross as if it's not good enough to deserve their allegiance. They say, I want something else, God, before I serve you. Listen to me. There's nothing else coming to you. Nothing else will save you. It's only Jesus Christ and His cross. That's it, my friends. And if you've heard the message one time, you are now accountable for that message. And some of you have heard it many times, time after time. And the reason you don't respond is because your heart has become hard as stone. And it gets uncomfortable for you to hear me preach the way I do because it makes you angry. And you say to yourself, who is this man to tell me that? I am reading the Word of God. I'm reading the Word of God. I'm not angry at you. I have mercy for you. That's why I'm preaching to you now, because I want you to hear what God says. Look at verse 28. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me. Since they hated knowledge, and they chose not to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the way we're of the simple will kill him and the complacency of fools will destroy them but whoever listens to me will live in safety be at ease without fear or harm dead Christians with a resurrected Christ people who say I'm alive Revelations 3 they said I'm alive but Jesus looked at them and he said no you're dead he said no you're not right he said repent And do the things I commanded. Look at Matthew chapter 3. You might say to yourself, how do I know if I'm alive or dead? The Bible tells you. Some of you right now in your heart, you know that you're not right with God. And these messages that I'm going to begin to say to you are going to burn in your soul. I pray they burn in your soul until you come to this altar and you repent of your sin. Because I am here to spare you that judgment. That's what a preacher does. I'm not here to have an Easter egg hunt with you. I'm not here to try to make you like me, to make you laugh and tell jokes. I'm not here to ask you to like the things that I like, go do the things that I do for hobbies and free time. I am here my whole life is to study this. 
My whole life, that's all it is. You do your job with respect. You do your job with the honor. This is my job. And the Bible says that these pastors, these liars, these, these, these profiteers, these pulpit pimps have come and have deceived so many of you because you haven't heard this. Churches all across right now, America aren't going to be talking about this. And I'm not saying we're the only ones. Listen to me. I'm not saying I'm the only one at all. There's many men of God, women of God all over this nation and world preaching the same message I'm preaching. I'm just telling you there's many more that are not. And you can go to their churches and you can be lulled to sleep. And you can think to yourself, I'm okay. You know why? Because everybody around you is dead. You can think it's okay because your pastor is dead. You can think to yourself, I'm all right. Why? Because you're looking to the person next to you. You're looking to the person next to you. You ever watch somebody take a temperature? What do they do if they don't have a thermometer? They go like this. They touch their head. They touch the person and say, how do you feel compared to me? You'll think you're okay. You'll feel your, your way around your church, your other friends, your family members. And you'll say, hey, how do you serve God? Well, this is how I serve God. I serve God by going to church on Christmas and Easter. I read my Bible every now and then. Well, that's what I do. Well, I guess we're okay then. And you'll think to yourself, I'm okay. And then a preacher like me will come along and preach to you the reality of a hell. The reality of a judgment. The reality that many good people are going there. Many good people are going there. Because being good counts for nothing when it comes to salvation. You can no more save yourself than that man falling through the air. You can't do good enough things to pull yourself back up. You have to be saved by the outstretched arm of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up among us, and it tells the whole story of the crucifixion. But it says, Whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Has the arm of the Lord been revealed to you? Have you grabbed His saving hand? If not, you're still falling no matter what good you do. Look at Matthew chapter 3. Look at Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 7. John the Baptist came, one of the great preachers of the Bible. He said, but when he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brought of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Look at verse 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Everybody say, produce fruit. So how do you know if you're alive? How do we know a tree is alive? Produces fruit. How do we know a healthy male and a healthy woman in a marriage are alive? They produce offspring. How do you know today that you're alive if you're doing the things Christ died for and that you're living the life He gave you? Christ didn't die just so you would not commit a sin again. Christ died so that you would live righteous. Some of us just think that the death of Christ is just a forgiveness. It just says, well, you're forgiven. Now go on about your way. No, the death of Christ says you're forgiven, but now live a new life. The death of Christ and the resurrection says live a new life. Remember, he raised. He didn't stay dead. He raised. Where's your new life? Where's the fruit? If your life was on trial right now, would there be any witnesses to testify of your fruit of Christianity. If your life was right now on trial and people were called to witness on your behalf, who is David? Who is Lilani? 
Who is Josh? Would the witnesses around you in your life come in front of this audience and say, I know this is a person of Christ. I know this is a follower of God. When you stand before God in heaven, will Jesus Christ open his books and will he have recorded the things that you have done in his name? Or will you stand there empty-handed? The Bible says that a tree that produces no fruit will be cut down. Keep reading. It says, verse 9, Do not think we can say to ourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. Verse 10, The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I want everyone to look up at me, please. Right now, if you are not producing fruit, you are only here by the mercy of God. You are, you are not being cut down only because of His mercy. The only reason why I made it through my time of sin was because of the mercy of God. 11 to 18 years old, it was the mercy of God. Some people say, well, today's not my day. Listen to me, you're using God's air for your sin. Every time you breathe in His air, you are a rebellious sinner in His eyes. Every time you use the resources that He's given you, your job, your talents, your ability... You are wicked in his eyes. And the Bible says his axe is right at your tree. And the only reason why he has not cut you down, the only reason why he has not thrown you into the fire is out of his own mercy. Out of his own mercy, a sinner lives another day. Out of his own mercy, after I preach this sermon and I shut my Bible and I go about my way, some of you will not go into the bowels of hell. But listen to me, do not mistake that as you not going there one day. Because as real as I am here today, as real as the Word of God is, you will go there if you don't repent. Because you are still falling. And you will continue to fall. And you can think to yourself, this does not apply to me. I am smarter than that. I have time. I will make it right. The Bible says you do not know the time when you will come before Him. And if you think to yourself, I will make it right another time, the Bible says you are a fool. The Bible says a fool says in his heart, I'll do something tomorrow when he can do it today. You might say to yourself, but Pastor... I'm not dead, I'm just taking a nap. I want you to open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. The person who sleeps is just as bad as the one who dies. Because you might say to yourself right now, Pastor, I'm not that bad. I still come to church. I still pray. I still read my Bible. I still do all of these wonderful things. But there's these areas of my life that I'm beginning to compromise in. I want you to listen to me. The devil will tell you that your sleep is not as bad as spiritual death. But your sleep is just as bad. I want everybody to know I'm talking to you. Talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking that if you today say to yourself, I can get away with this. Look at what Ephesians says. Look what the Bible says. Verse 13. Well, let's just read verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So these people were once saved. Now they're in the light. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. That's your job. Find out what pleases Him. Verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. You see, that's what I'm doing here today. I don't want anything to do with the deeds of darkness. I'm exposing them to you. 
Verse 12, for it is shameful to even mention that the, what the disobedient do in secret. Listen to verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the day Days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Could Paul have said it any more clear? Do not fall asleep in your Christianity. Do not think to yourself that you are coming to this church, that you're doing discipleship, that you're reading your Bible for me, for a graduation, for any approval of men. My friend, you ought to live for God because your soul depends on it. You ought to keep your soul awake and revived unto the laws of God because you will be judged by those laws. Every single person's life will be exposed. If you've ever seen what happens when you take film and you put it into the light, it exposes that film and it ruins what is there. That will be your life on Judgment Day. If you have sin in your life and God's perfect light shines, He will burn you to your very core. And you will be banished from His presence. The Bible says that He will judge you in the most severest of way to show His glory to the angels and the witnesses of heaven. We understand that when a king or a queen in times past got angry with a certain kingdom, they would say, kill everyone, invade the land, take away their food, punish the leaders. And then the terror of that king would come across the the known world. Everybody would say, don't mess with that king. That king is terrifying. The Bible says under that same mentality, God judges sinners. He judges them in such a terrifying way so that the men of this earth will fear Him. You say, I'm supposed to fear God like that? Yes. The Bible says you're supposed to fear Him. You say, well, pastor, He loves me. Yes, He loves you. You got that lesson, but do you have the lesson of fearing Him? On Judgment Day, the Bible says we will all be terrified of Him. The Bible says that a tempest goes before Him. This is like a hurricane. It says pitch blackness goes before Him. And He devours and destroys the earth. Do you know that this earth will be laid bare? Everything will be destroyed. And yet all these things we hold on to. The dead Christian today holds on to their reputation, yet it will be destroyed. They hold on to what their friends think. Some of you think to yourself, I don't want to live for Christ in that manner, because if I live for Christ this way, I will lose what my friends think about me. I will lose my family. The Bible says it's better to lose your family than go to hell for eternity. The Bible says, do not fear man who can only kill the body, but fear God who can kill the body and destroy the man's soul in hell forever. Jesus said that, my friends. Jesus said it would be better for you to cut off your arms and go to heaven without any arms than to go to hell with your arms. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. It's out of love that I preach to you this way because I care for you. As I was thinking about the message this week in prayer, 
I said, Lord, what should I preach on? And the Lord just began to just put these things in my heart, and he began to confirm it by the letters I began to receive. I received this week the most strangest letters. I haven't even received letters like this before, but I received them this week, like two of them. One of these letters was from a young lady that used to go to a church that I pastored. And she was saying in this letter that all of her friends don't live for God anymore. And she was so upset that they don't live for God. And she was writing me a letter and she was saying, Pastor, what are you doing about it? Why do you guys win souls and then when they leave, you don't go after them? She says, all of these people I knew that were Christians are not Christians anymore. And she wrote this long letter and she said, you know, some of these people say that this church, and she named the church, judged them and, and this leader let them down. And, and then she named all their names. These are the people I'm talking about. You know some of them. And I wrote her back and I said, why would it ever be an excuse not to serve God because of what somebody else does? That would be like a man dying of starvation saying, I won't eat your food because somewhere in Kansas I went to a bad restaurant one time. How could somebody judge the God of eternity by what any man has done? Listen to me, my friend. Don't judge the God of eternity on just what I'm saying to you or just what you've read somewhere in a magazine or what your friend has said to you. You judge the God of eternity by His Word and you keep His Word, whether anybody else does. And yet she thought in her mind, she's an intelligent person, she, she constructed this in her mind, I must be okay. To not serve God. Because I'm with a group of friends that are all hurt by the church. And they don't serve God. And we all have an argument against this God that these preachers talk about. We've built an argument against Him. We don't have to do it your way, God, because your pastors let us down. We don't have to obey your commands, God, because this culture says our homosexuality is okay. And they've built an argument against God. And they think when they continue in their sin that God is like them and God will reason the way they reason and that God will have a discussion with them on Judgment Day. Why didn't you serve the Lord? Oh, because your friends didn't serve the Lord? I understand that. They think in their mind that God is thinking like them. The Bible says that their house is built on sand and when they see Jesus Christ, He will send us storm that will destroy them and blow every grain of sand to hell for eternity. And they alone will be there for their own fault. Because they knew the truth. The Bible says that their house of sand will be blown to smithereens. It will be so terrifying. If you and I could see a moment of God's judgment, if we could see a picture of hell, if we could just see one moment of it, we would never want our worst enemy to go there. I was standing in Blockbuster and somebody was saying, oh, have you gone to Good Friday service? No. I, they said, I haven't gone and I even ate meat. And then the person said to the coworker, you know you're going to hell, right? They said, you're going to hell. And our terminology just, it means nothing. You know you're going to hell, right? Think about that. 
a place of weeping, gnashing of teeth, total blackness. The Bible says it's a bottomless pit. You never stop falling. Pitch blackness. There's no one around. It's a lake of fire. You're in total darkness being burned. The Bible says you have a resurrected body that's only for torment. Like the Christian gets a resurrected body for glorification. Your body is meant to last forever to torment you. The Bible says you'll gnash your teeth, you'll gnaw your tongue. The Bible says that the soul in hell will cry out, no one will hear them. The Bible says that they'll be there for a million years, and it's not even one second in eternity. And yet we'll say flippantly to somebody, oh, you're going to hell? And yet you'll hear a preacher like this, and you'll think to yourself, I couldn't go to the place where Pastor Joe's talking about, and yet I'm showing you in the Scripture, some of you, that's where you're going. But once again, you're like a lawyer. You want to argue with this. You want to outwit God. But I'm telling you, my friends, don't do that. You will not outwit Him. And if the people have told you there is another way than this way, they are lying to you. And then the second letter that I received was from a friend. One of my best friends, he stood up in my wedding. And he said to me, these churches are doing so great that my friends are pastoring. And I went and checked out their website. And one of them was the place where I saw the Easter egg hunt. And that's not the sad part. This is sad to me, my friends. Breaks my heart. I wrote my best, one of my best friends back and I said, you gotta be kidding me. This cannot be what you rejoice over. Churches being filled on Sunday because they have Easter egg hunts. And he wrote back to me these words. I don't care about theology. I don't care about those things, what they teach or preach. I just know I love God. And I want others to know that. You might think to yourself, my friends, that sounds so spiritual, some of you. That's because you're so far right now away from God, you don't know what's the right answer. And I pity and I shame you because you should know the answer. We are here to teach and preach this the best way we know how. How could a pastor say, I don't care about doctrine. I don't care if there's churches that have Easter egg hunts. I don't care. All I care about is if I love God and somebody else knows that. My friend, that should be tried on trial today as treason. How could a man know the Word of God and deny it and let people go to hell and say, all I want them to know is my love? Your love, my love won't save us, my friends. My love for you cannot save you. I could love you. Listen to me. Some of you think on Judgment Day that when you're there, you will be able to help your child. No, listen to me. If your child is not born again, you will say with God, damn their soul. Send them to hell. You will say it with righteous judgment because you'll see your child with the wicked rebellion in their heart and a holy God and you will stand on God's side and say, I stand with the Lord. Punish him. His terrifying judgment, as I'll get to in a moment, will make the church of heaven shout aloud and praise Him. You won't be crying because you don't see Aunt Mima, your mother, your father. You will rejoice that the earth is rid of wickedness, that the earth is rid of men's sin and those who rebelled against the God. You will thank the Lord of heaven that the God of heaven and earth has sanctified this world and made it holy. You'll say in your heart, I thank God that my son or daughter, my brother or sister has been judged. Why? Because a God of heaven is holy. 
Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. I'm only reading to you what's always been in this Bible. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Those are the most terrifying words you could ever read in this Bible. That there can come a day where there is no more sacrifice for your sin. You might say to yourself, Pastor, I'm a pretty good person. I'll never get there. I'm telling you, I'll take people out of hell right now. Do you think you would have been here? They'll tell you no. I thought there was another sacrifice. I thought there was another chance. I thought if I kept doing this, I thought that I could outwit God. I thought that I had these arguments, these reasons for my behavior. I thought that God would understand. And the Bible says that there's no more sacrifice, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the test of two or three witnesses how much more severe do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the son of God underfoot who has treated as an only unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace for we know him who said it is mine to avenge I will repay and again the Lord will judge his people it is is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Oprah Winfrey said she heard that scripture preached in church one day, and she said, I won't be a Christian anymore. She said, how can God be jealous? How could God be vengeful? She says, the God that I imagine would be loving that no matter what you've done, he would always forgive. And if you have another name for him than other religions, that he'll accept you. She said, this could not be God. Is that how you feel? Is that how you feel today, some of you? Do you think in yourself, this is not God? Do you think that you'll stand before him as his accuser? Do you think you'll stand before God and say, you can't be this way, God? You can't judge me the way you're said here. You can't do that. You have to love me, God. You have to love me. The way you view the most vilest insect or serpent coming into your house unwanted is the way you will be viewed that day in heaven. The way you react to a spider walking into your house, you crush it and you throw it out, is as terrifying as God will be to you. He will crush you and He will throw you out and He will think nothing more of you. You will be forgotten in eternity. You will go into everlasting hell and the lake of fire. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 1, that your memory upon this earth, all that you've done, your own family, you will be forgotten. And yet some of you have heard this message many times, and you can think to yourself, oh, pastor, you're just being extreme today. No, my friends, I'm trying to wake you up. 
Because today's message is a message that God sent to you. And as I said from the very beginning, it might make you mad. It might make you upset. You might want to justify yourself in this meeting, in this sermon, and say, you know what, he's not talking about me. I haven't been that bad. I haven't done all of those things. I'm not that person. But listen to me. If you're not alive for God bearing fruit in his kingdom with the witness of the Spirit inside of you, you are that person. You are that person. And until you see who Christ is, you'll never appreciate today. Because what is today? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you, as a lost, fallen sinner, hear the message of God's grace. That that is who you are without Him. That if He wouldn't have come down and died for your sins, that is what would have happened to you. Now for those of you here who take that message for granted, I warn you, because you will be a dead Christian with a resurrected Christ, and you'll face His judgment. My last scripture as we stand to our feet, would you stand with me please? Is Revelations chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. Rachel, would you come? Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you today for your message. I pray for brokenness in this place today, Father God. I pray, Father God, that men and women here would serve you and put you first, Father God. God, you had a plan in bringing every single person here this morning. And God, you knew I was going to preach on this message. God, I pray that their hearts are convicted. I pray that today, Father God, that the dead Christian will repent of their sins and serve you. Hallelujah. One last scripture. Excuse me, or two rather. Revelations 19 says, after this, I heard what sounded like a roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting. What are they shouting about, friends, in heaven here towards the end of the book? Him giving us a scene of what it's going to be like. Look what they're shouting about. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For true and just are His judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He avenged on her the blood of His servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Who is this whore of Babylon? This whore of Babylon is who God judges and sends to hell. And their smoke rises up to His throne. And as their smoke, listen, as they are being burned in hell, and their smoke rises to His throne, the Bible says the saints of God say, Hallelujah! Why? The same reason why people rejoiced in World War II on D-Day when they took Nazi Germany's land, uh, Normandy. You will rejoice when you see the enemy defeated. And the Bible says, and you read it for yourself, that if you take the side of Satan, 
you will be treated as God's enemy. If you live like Satan, and how does Satan live? From the very beginning, he told us how he lived in Genesis chapter 2. If you eat of this fruit, you will become like God. What is Satan's biggest lie? You don't need God. You can do it yourself. When you live that way, when you say, I don't need this. I don't need to hear this message. I don't need to be alive. I don't need to keep his commands. I don't need to do what that preacher is telling me. The Bible says you'll be counted as his enemy. And I want to end with this scripture now. Turn to John chapter 6. What Jesus said. And I think this will sum up today's message. Dead Christians with the resurrected Christ. As you're standing, I just want to share a few things of my heart with you today. There are times that I say to myself, why do I even want to preach these messages? So counterproductive, isn't it, in so many ways? Isn't the church supposed to want more people to come? Yet people will leave in our services more than I've ever seen happen. People will get right up and walk out while I'm preaching. And I'll think to myself, why? 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 And there will be seasons of my life that I'll be correcting disciples. And I'll see a group of disciples leave our church in rebellion. Some of them fornicating. Some of them gossiping. And I'll think to myself, was I asking for too much? Or I'll get a letter like from that girl and she's pouring out her heart, listing all of her friends, and she's pointing the finger at me and the clergy, the pastors, and she's saying, come on, man, just lighten up and you can have a lot more people. And I think to myself, what if she's right? What if I, what if I lighten the, the message a little bit? What if I did it differently? So don't ask, don't think to yourself, well, does the pastor ever think about people walking out? Does the pastor think about people leaving? No, I, I've thought about it many, many times. But you know what has me come up here on a day like Easter and preach a message like this? When I know very easily, listen to me, and I don't want to downplay your intelligence, but I know very easily I could have manipulated you today. I could have been a motivational speaker. I could have preached a message that wasn't from the heart of God, but would have made you feel better. I could have told you about how good you are and how awesome you are and how great your life's going to be and how much Dito Jesus loved you to die for you and all the tears He shed for you and how you can make it through every problem in your life and how all you have to do is just have faith and don't give up. Your family's going to be okay. I could have manipulated you with a message like that. I'm not saying all those messages are bad. I'm just telling you today it wasn't the right one. You know why? Because I... I'm terrified for some of you. Because I know that some of you do not get it. And that you trust me when I speak that I'm going to speak this word. And so while you're working nine to five, literally, while you're, while you're out there, some of you, you're working in your job and, and, and you're just paying your dues, you know, and you're having to go through all that. And I'm sitting at home in an air-conditioned house on a plush office chair and I'm just looking at a computer and I'm by myself and here's my job for eight hours that day when you speak for this hour make sure you've heard from me that's what God told me to do 
Do you know that during those eight hours while I'm sitting there, and I start researching Scripture, and I start studying, and I start reading the Bible, and I start putting together these messages, that I begin to get terrified for you. And I begin to think about you, and I begin to see you in different places. I'll see you with your family, and I'll just be sitting there, and I'll see you with your family, and I'll think to myself, if they don't change, they will fall into the pit of hell. And it will break my heart. I was watching a movie yesterday, and this was so much on my heart. Marley and I, about a dog. The dog dies in the end. Oops, I gave it away. Lord, forgive me. And I'm sitting there, listen. And I watch the dog die. And I begin to go into tears. First for the dog, I'm like, oh, little doggy dying. And then all of a sudden, I can't stop crying. Because I think about my sister who died drinking and driving. And I said to myself, she'll never come back. She's either in heaven or hell right now. Did I do what I was supposed to for her? I began to think about you guys, and I began to think to myself, one day you will die. One day you will meet your Maker. And we will put you in a grave. You're going to put my body in a grave. And the only thing that's going to matter is, did you get this message? Did you get it? Did you understand it? Did you teach it to your children? Did you make it the passion of your life? Did you tell it to others? God is love, but man has sinned. Jesus died for men's sins so that men would repent and live for God. There it is. That's the gospel. That's Good Friday, the pain of His death for the life that we would live for Him. You know, is that what we're doing here today? Yes. Is that what they're doing other places? I don't think so. So my friends, that's why I came here today. I came here with that purpose so that some of you would not go to hell. So that those of you here would say to yourself, I'm okay that this preacher would wake you up this morning to say, no, 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 you're not. But you can be. And that's why Jesus died. And here's my last thought. Here's my last thought before we read this. And here, here it is. Because so many of you have been told a different version of Christianity. You got disappointed. And you think that Christianity was about you. And when things didn't go your way, you wanted to give up. And some of you did. And that's why you are dead. That's why you are asleep. That's why you're facing the problems you're facing. Because somebody told you this. They said, hey, come to Jesus and your life will be better. That wasn't what Jesus said. Jesus said, come and follow me. The foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but I have nowhere to lay my head. The Bible says you'll be hated by all nations because of me. That's what Jesus said. And so somebody here, you believe that. Somebody told you, if you serve God, your mom won't die. And you were a little kid, and you thought to yourself, if I pray, my mom won't die. And if my mom won't die, that will show me God's real. You have no idea how many times I hear that. But when my mom died, they tell me, I don't believe in God now because that means God didn't hear my prayer. Listen to me. I've read this Bible my whole my whole life, the last 13 years of my life as a profession. Listen to me. There is not one place where God promises you He will spare your mother, your grandmother, anything. He doesn't say that ever. He doesn't say your family won't die. He doesn't. matter of fact, the Bible says every man's going to die. Prepare to meet your Maker. That's what the Bible says. And so my problem with that is, is you come to a church like this and you hear the real gospel and it it offends you. 
Well, the reason why it offends you is because somebody told you that the gospel was about you. You get to go to heaven. You get to have a good life. You get to have fun. You get to be a part of a fun church. You get to do Easter egg hunts. You get to laugh and make a lot of money and get the American dream. But that is not the gospel. You know what the gospel is? You get to be forgiven of all of your wickedness. And you get to get accepted by a holy God so that it's all for Him. So that He can take your life and set you in heaven as a trophy and say, that one belongs to me. That one's life was for my glory. He deserves it. He's our Creator. And He says, I made you for me. Not for your job. Not for your family. None of those things come before God. He said, I made you so that you would love Me. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. He wants all your heart. That's what Christianity is. Here's what Jesus said. Go on down, brother, to verse 51. Look at how Jesus said it. We'll close with His words as we started with His words. Verse 51. Jesus said to them, verse 51, brother, you can just go ahead and stop moving it around when you get to 51. You have to go up, please. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This, is my fl- the, this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus said, I come that you might have life. Where does Jesus' life come from? His flesh. His flesh. So if you're a dead Christian here, how do you get life? From Jesus and His flesh. Now watch. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Good question. We're not cannibals. How do we eat his flesh? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats My flesh and drinks My blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For My flesh is real food, and My blood is real drink. Whoever eats My flesh and drinks My blood remains in Me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. The Catholics say that eating his bread, drinking his flesh is communion. But I know that people who have taken communion are in hell right now. So communion doesn't save you. I could get a pig to take communion. It's still a pig. It won't change you either. Get every sinner in this place to take communion. Everybody can walk out and still be sinners. We're not sinners and saints based on our communion, so we know it's not that. What's going on here, Jesus? Keep going, brother. Scroll up for us, please. Verse 60. 
On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? It's like many of you are saying right now, Pastor, what you said is hard. Imagine Jesus. I mean, let's not be so religious. We don't understand it here. Jesus is a man in the flesh. God, man in the flesh. He has no halo around his head. He looks like you and I. And he's looking right at you. And he says, you have to eat my flesh to live forever. You don't think that would confuse you? You have to drink my blood to get to heaven. They said, this is hard, Jesus. What in the heck are you talking about? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Does this bother you? You know what Jesus is doing right now? Jesus is purposely offending the mind so he can get to their heart. He chose something that would make no sense to their mind, but if they opened up their heart, they would get it. And he's about ready to say it to them right now. And I'm giving you the answer, by the way. You want to become alive? You want to live for God? You want to have an alive heart? You want to get up out of your sleep? You don't want to go to hell? You have to eat His flesh and drink His blood. And you can't get offended by it. You can't grumble about it and say, oh, i got to do something. Yes, you do have to do something. It's up to you. He says, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where He was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are Spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning who would not believe and betray Him. He went on to say, This is why I've told you that no one can come to Me unless the Father has enabled Him. From this time, many of His disciples turned back and no longer followed Him. He looked at the twelve. Do you want to go too? He asked the twelve. Verse 68. He says, Do you want to leave? Simon Peter answered, Lord... To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He said, every word I speak unto you is life and it is truth. The brothers look back at Jesus after so many people left and they say, Lord, whom shall we go? You have the words of life. We believe and know that you're the Holy One of God. Here's how you have life. You feed on His Word every day. You eat this. What does He say to you? You do it. You want to be an alive Christian? You want to be a a healthy fruit in the vineyard of God? Then you repent of your sins. Let Him plant you deeply within His Word. And you devour this Word every day of your life. You begin to become a disciple that gets trained in this Word. You read your instructions. These are your instructions on life. Husbands and wives, you raise your family and you live the way God told you to have your marriage right here. Every one of us, we obey these commands. We live morally the way the Bible tells us. If you want life, you eat His words. Let's pray. Father God, I pray today that people will eat Your words and live. God, I pray that people will live by your words. You said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Wherever you are right now, the ones that came here and you said, Pastor, I need to repent. I need to get right with God. These altars are open for you to come right now to your knees. As Rachel just begins to sing, as she begins to sing right now, I want you just to come. Those that need to repent, 
Because those that came here one way can leave another way. Why? Because of the mercy of God.